There was no doubt about my luck being out that bright summer morning, as I stood, shabby and down at heel, outside the general post office in Adelaide. My color was frayed away at the edges, my poor old blue suit was well-worn and shabby, my hat was stained all over, with the band gone, and the burst in one of my boots marked me down clearly, as a man who was not by any means in affluent circumstances. Everything about me told of being down and out. Yet less than two months ago, I had got into the train at Broken Hill with a comfortable, thick wad of notes in my pocket, the result of over a year's hard work, out back as a boundary rider. But a too confiding trust in my fellow passengers, and a too deep slumber as the ever-stopping train had ambled on, had been my undoing, and I had awakened at Peterborough in the dim hours of the morning to an empty carriage, and worse still, to an empty, rifled pocket. But it served me right. I, who had been over half the world before I was twenty-seven, and who had fought for over three years in France among one of the toughest crowds on earth, to be taken in and bamboozled by two innocent-looking old fellows who had led me to believe they were just honest farmhands going down to see their relatives in Adelaide. Yes, I can tell you that that Saturday morning, as I stood kicking up my heels in King William Street, I was feeling pretty despondent and pretty sick with myself. I had been doing odd jobs about the city without, however, much success, and at that particular moment my entire possession in the world in the way of money was a one-shilling piece that I was reserving for my evening meal. I was quite alone in the world, with no parents living and no relations near to help me, and no particular friends in the city upon whom I could call. It was true I had one cousin in Australia, who was reputed to be a wealthy man, he had a sheep station about thirty miles from Pimba, but I had quarreled with him years before and was much too proud to let him know now that I was in a bad way. Weeks ago I had written to an old friend of my father in Melbourne, but no reply had come back, and finally I had given up even calling for any letters. I had got too ashamed of going up day after day to face the amused grins of the attendants at the delivery counter. It always seemed to me to afford them much amusement when I appeared, to receive the same invariable reply. Nope, nothing today. I guess they knew how things were with me. I stood watching the life and bustle about the post office, wondering in a careless sort of way what was going to happen next. A fine big gray motor drew up to the pavement, and in it I saw were a man and a very pretty girl, I thought I had never seen such a pretty girl. She was, I guessed, about twenty, of medium height, fair, with delicious blue eyes, and with a beautifully slim but well-rounded figure. The man with her was undoubtedly her father. He was tall and soldierly looking, and his handsome face was burned to a deep bronze. He seemed oddly familiar to me, one who had done his bit too, I thought, as I watched him. There is no mistaking a man who has held responsible positions on active service. He got out of the car and, nodding to the girl, went up the steps and disappeared into the post office. I watched the girl with an unusual quickening of my heart. She looked so deliciously sweet and dainty sitting there, quite unconscious of the admiration she was evoking. 
She was interestedly watching the crowd that is always to be found in King William Street about midday. Suddenly her gaze turned in my direction, and at once her eyes were held by mine. It would be stupid for me to pretend I am a bad specimen of an Australian. I am tall and well set up, and have always carried my head proudly as becoming one who has held a commission. Besides, a man who has smiled with death as I have for nearly four long years must surely always carry something of courage and strength about him for the rest of his life. Well, she looked at me, and I looked at her. She was a picture of luxury and prettiness, and I, well, everything about me spoke of hardship and rough times. There could not have been a greater contrast, and yet the man in me called to the woman in her.